So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to Love After Lockup. Ha ha, okay. I'm Miss H, and today Mr. O and I will be talking about Life After Lockup, Season 3, Episode 11. This week, Michael interrupts Sarah's playdate, Destiny shows up to court, and so does Sean, Amber and Puppy have a define the relationship conversation, DMARC confronts Chevelle and Quaylin, Brittany floats the idea of dumping her mom in Alaska, and we are reintroduced to John of John and Christiana, and we see his flirtations with his sister-in-law, Tara. If you like what you hear, please support us by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating or any other constructive comments are welcome. And if you watch 90 Day Fiance, check out our other podcast channel, 90 Day MK, Teachable Moments with Miss H and Mr. O. Thanks, stay safe, and enjoy. Hello, Miss H. Hello, Mr. O. How are things going with you? Uh, things are going okay. Just trying to warm up right now. It's... Cold don't, 50 don't. degrees in California, which means I'm freezing. Yeah, well, I'm watching the snow falling outside of my window, so I think I have you nope. beat on that one. <laughs> yep, no thank you. <laughs> oh, man. Right. But So let's start talking about these people. Um, who do you want to start with? I'm going to start. Uh, you want to start? Want me to start? Uh, you can go ahead. All right, I'll start with Chevelle and Quaylen. Oh, gosh. So we're still hanging out at this Ferris wheel in Branson, and... Quaylen wants to know if he and Chevelle are going to work through things. They're talking and DeMarc has gone away. Chevelle says she's in shock that he popped up on her. It seems to make her feel pretty good about herself, but she isn't sure that she wants to get on this roller coaster again. Quaylen acknowledges that it's going to take a lot for him to earn back trust, and he's willing to do whatever it takes. He also kind of, you know, acknowledges that what he was doing counted as cheating. He apologizes and talks a big game about how the communication needs to be there. And before Myela eventually comes up to talk about how the go-karts were the wrong size. So then Quaylen turns on the charm with the kid, which seems to work gangbusters on Chevelle. And when Quaylen takes Myela to go to the go-karts, Chevelle goes to talk to DeMarc. DeMarc, who's just like over there with steam coming out of his ears, is pretty upset about the situation. (laughs) He wonders... What, all, what about all that stuff? We were talking about all this stuff about how you're going to move on and how are you with this new guy like three seconds ago and all that just goes out the window? Um, it seems like, to, you know, to him, as soon as Quaylen showed up in person, all was forgiven. She, uh, Chevelle says she needs to and then change it to she wants to give him another chance. And DeMarc can't even look her in the eye, to be honest. <laughs> At this point, he steps away and like leaves the whole amusement park area because... He doesn't even want to look at Quaylen anymore since it seems like he pretty clearly wants to punch the dude in the face. Yeah. So, I mean, we all saw this coming from a long ways away. Oh, yeah, right? for sure. So how long does this contrite Quaylen do you think is going to stay around? Until he's got her. And then he's <laughs> going to go right back to how he was before. The thing that really frustrates me, and, you know, this is such a typical Tony from Tony and Angela move, is the whole, like, Oh, well, I love you. And then all of a sudden, everything is forgiven. Like, I I don't care if someone loves you. Like, someone could genuinely love you in the way that they love you. But if they treat you like shit, that means nothing. Right. That right. shouldn't I mean, be a reason or an excuse to forgive everything and to forget everything. And to forget everything. It's, it, it's yeah, it is an interesting 
thing to go with. Like, love should be enough. And it's like, you know, it's 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 kind of not. Like, no, it's I mean, definitely I, not. There's definitely people who, you know, mistreat other people and they genuinely love that person. But that doesn't mean yeah. you need to sit around and keep getting mistreated. Right. At all. Like, you see it all the time. Like, well, I mean, not all the time, but, you know, like uh, people killing their partners out of jealous rage. It's like, yeah, you would say that they really love them. Love them enough where it evoked these kinds of like strong emotions and then, you know, impulses took over. But it's like, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to say, well, I loved them. And it's like, yeah, but you now like hurt that other person and it shouldn't be an excuse or reason to excuse your behavior. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean. I guess I kind of feel for Demark here because he, yeah, he as well as as long as we've known this was coming, he's oh he's known this was coming for even yes. longer. Like as soon as he's like, I broke up with Quaylen, he was like, No, you didn't. <laughs> you just, you he did was not like, do You that. need to delete that guy from your phone. That's <laughs> why he told uh, he told her to do that. And it's like Demark totally called it too. Like we were saying last week, like the fact that Chevelle could not stop smiling. It's just like, yes. oh my goodness. And, and he, he said like, that too, and she tried to deny it. He was like, You just lit up. And she was like, I didn't light up. It was like, oh no, she lit up. Yeah, she like, did. He and I love up. how in her interviews she's trying to like you know, uh, defend it by saying, oh, well, you know, I just didn't know what to do. So I was just smiling. It's like, uh, uh, no, we could all tell that was like genuine joy on your face. Right. The face she should have had was the face Myela made. Like when she walked like, up, what? I was like, I'm what? confused. Who is this? Why? Not who is this? Why is he here? I'm didn't know he was going to be here. Is he supposed to be here? Are we mad at him? I'm just confused like that. <laughs> She had that all in her face. But then, of course, when he was like, let's go go-karts, he was, she was like, yes, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> she was like, so maybe I, don't care what's, I don't really care what's happening here, but I'm going to go to the go-kart so you all figure out your adult shit. <laughs> yes. I mean, I wish I could I wish I wish could uh, abandon my adult shit and just go ride go-karts. That, that would, that's the dream, right? <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I, I don't think this whole new Quaylen is going to last long. I mean, New Quaylen is really only existing for the purpose of getting Chevelle back. And once that actually happens, oh, Quaylen's coming back. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. It's definitely going to be like, I feel like you're being trapped. I feel like I'm overwhelmed. He just, he just has this, that tendency to want what he can't have. And when he, what he can't have, he can't have Chevelle. Oh, that's all I want. Then he yeah. has Chevelle. Now I want my freedom. Like he just, right. whatever it is he can't have, that's what he's going to want. That's exactly what's happening. And I don't know, maybe he's one of those guys where it is, is kind of more like thrill of the chase, mm, you know? Sure. And and that could be the, also the reason why, like, uh, him flirting with other girls on over text message is so appealing to him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a thrill of the chase. Like, I kind of, I don't want to say that he would have never cheated on her, but I think to him, what he gets out of texting other women is the fact that he can get other women. It's not the actual act of cheating because the woman that he was texting wasn't even in the same state as him. Oh, so no, she was in point? Chicago. Yeah. Right. She was in so Chicago. what's the point? Yeah. Good so point. I think I mean, it's yeah, really so, just thrill like, of the chase. I think, I think a lot of like very rarely is the cheating actually in any scenario, the cheating actually about the cheating or sure. you know, the sex that you get from the cheating. Like that's yeah. not really what the point is basically ever. Right. Right. 
All right. Uh, moving on. So we saw John from John and Christiana for the first time this season, at least. So just a little recap about John and Christiana's situation in case you did not pay attention to their season. Uh, so John and Christiana, uh, they got married as soon as Christiana got out of prison. So they did this whole uh, backyard, actually not even backyard, back of truck wedding and uh, John is a former convict himself, and so he considers them very much Bonnie and Clyde. And Christiana was living at a halfway house. Uh, she was getting in trouble uh, because she kept on trying to sneak out to meet up with her family and with John. And so then Christiana ended up going back to not after she was uh, trying to avoid being in prison, just having like a a couple days of fun time. Uh, Christiana's family ended up moving in with John because there was a bad situation where Tammy was, her mom was sick and her sister Tara was uh, fighting drug addiction as well. So that's where we kind of left off with them uh, when we saw them last. So starting with this episode, back in Cresco, Iowa, John is lying shirtless on his bed, vaping and looking through a magazine. Meanwhile, his mother-in-law, Tammy, is watching flies go at it in the living room, and his sister-in-law, Tara, is in a towel looking for her phone. She playfully accuses John of stealing her phone and insists John get up so she can thoroughly check out him, feel him up, and grab his ass. After she verifies there is nothing in his pockets, she gives him a quick slap on the ass as she wanders out of the room. John thinks that now is the time to put on a shirt and goes to the kitchen where we see a puppy in a laundry basket. John offers to make breakfast for Tammy and Tara comes in and demands that breakfast is made for her too. John tells us that Tammy has been acting more like a partner since Christiana isn't there. And she does a lot of the chores around the house except laundry. Only John does his own laundry. Christiana calls John to tell him that it looks like she'll be getting out of prison in a month. She also tells him that she'll be on the keto diet since she's put on 35 pounds. John thinks weight gain is a good sign that she's clean and healthy, and he doesn't mind at all. Tara gets a chance to talk to Christiana and teases John while talking to her. Tammy believes there's a lot of flirting going on between Tara and John, and she wouldn't be surprised if something were going on. John is outside tending to his rock wall. He tells us that he's been fixing up the house, including landscaping and, and installing a pool for Christiana's return. Tara comes out to tease him some more. She laughs at his attempt to stack his rock fence. John tells us that there have been a couple of occasions where a spark has flown between them. John sits down to talk to, with Tara and she gets up to massage his shoulders. Tara then straddles John as she tells as he tells her that there is something going on and he knows he's lonely, but... And then Tara just goes in for a kiss and John turns his face literally at the last possible second. And then Tara says, you know, he doesn't even know her sister. <laughs> Not like they know each other. While still straddling him, John says that, you know, he has to respect his vows since he did a native ceremony. He says that he loves Christiana and Tara says that every day it feels like, you know, their feelings for each other are getting stronger. She tells him that she loves him and asks if he loves her too. And he says he thinks he has to because it's the law or something. Tara tells us that he can, that she can see in his eyes that he wants her, but she knows he's married to her sister. 
They say goodnight as Tara tells us they have gotten close to kissing a number of times. All right, so do you think that they've hooked up when the cameras weren't rolling? I mean, I think there is one of two choices here. Mm -hmm. Either, yes, they've hooked up when the cameras weren't rolling, or B, they made up this entire thing for production. Like, and it was like, until the cameras got there, they were like, like, it's one of those two things. I don't think it is exactly as they portrayed it, right? Because it's a lot of definite weird situations that I wasn't. Yeah. I wouldn't be in with anyone that I wasn't trying to hook up with. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when we got to be like straddling and like. That was super awkward. Okay, and I would also like to point out that when Tara was straddling John, he was still kind of holding her in place. Like, you could kind of see his hands were not quite on her ass, but, like, kind of right below it, like, on her thighs. Like, he was still kind of holding her there, like, touching her to some extent. So you can't just look at this and be like, that was completely innocent. That was like unwarranted. Like John honestly should have pushed her off from the very beginning. Yeah, I mean, I can't, it's so hard because, I mean, both of us have, you know, in, in-laws, right? But both yes. of us, right, in the, in the situation where it's my, it's my brother's wife and your sister's husband, right? Yes. That's who you know. I, that would never happen. That's so weird. I, when I'm watching this, I'm thinking of literally any of those things, like any of them. No. Would she come into my room with a towel on? No. No. <laughs> she grab ass, like pretending to look for her phone. No. No. Nope. Possibly she might ask if I could make some eggs. <laughs> What if I was already cooking eggs? Like, that's it. I wouldn't even ask my brother-in-law that. I don't know. That's the only one on, like, the outer edges of what I could imagine is possible. I don't know. I still weirdly feel, like, not 100% comfortable around my brother-in-law. I don't know really what it is. Um, I don't know. I think we're just kind of both somewhat awkward. But, yeah, like, none of those things would ever happen. I, I definitely I, – so I, I wouldn't say I'm awkward around my, my sister-in-law or anything, but it's definitely like – no, no. She mo- it definitely fits into like the, the big big capital letters like sister-in-law part of the thing, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like the more of a comfort you'd have with a sibling and stuff where it's like, no, 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 no yeah. Like the idea of flirting is like, oh, gross. No, like, yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just so weird and like, again – why would you let somebody film this? You know, it's like it like it's almost like he thought, well, this is me. I'll let them film this. I'll let them I'll let them film me rejecting her. Yes. And that'll be like me getting off the hook and showing Christiana how like how faithful and loyal and devoted I am. Yes, but it was kind of like, yeah, his words clearly said one thing. His actions yes. didn't look like they were right. in line with what he was saying. And even, like, no matter what, like, okay, so we're assuming Christiana's eventually going to see this. Yes. Right? It is like, yes, I appreciate that you didn't cheat on me. However, my sister still obviously makes you horny. And that is like... I know. It's so uncomfortable. I'm going to have a hard time processing that and dealing with it. Uh, Yeah. That's... I don't know. And to me also, it's kind of just a betrayal for Christiana. Like, I feel like this is the kind of crap where she'll watch this and start using again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not helpful for somebody who's a recovering addict. That's for sure. definitely not. 
<sighs> but I mean, they clearly have issues, you know, like Tara, she's also drug addict. So yeah. I kind of just feel like they have some kind of both of them probably have some kind of deep seated issues where they need to feel that kind of attention on them. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I totally buy that. And especially it's just, yeah. And it just seems to me, I don't know where we are in terms of COVID and quarantine, but like I, yeah, if you're somebody who has that kind of, you know, need for, you know, male attention and there's only one man in the house. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There we go. All right. Moving along. Uh, Let's go to let's go to Sarah Michael. Oh gosh. All right. So we start with Sarah putting air quotes on the word living when she's describing the situation that Michael is living in their house with her and the girls, which has been going on for only about a week or so. We see Michael playing with the girls as Sarah's get, getting pretty for a date, but not before Michael has to check her out before she leaves. God. He jokingly kind of sets rules like he's the dad, but then when she leaves, um, he tells the cameras that he thinks of it as just a play date and that he's the only one here in the situation that's not confused about what's going on um, in terms of, you know, yeah. who Sarah is in, is in love with. On the way to the date, Sarah tells us that yet that she hasn't told Malcolm about the situation about Michael staying with them. As the date does start, they have a weird flirtatious conversation about ordering something new off the menu as they each go pretty hard in a glass of wine, but not like crazy hard. <laughs> then after the food gets there, Michael calls and then Sarah answers the phone on speaker at the table. What is wrong with them? She tries to brush him off, but then asks Ma- Malcolm asks how things are, are going with Michael. She tries to casually drop that casually drop that Michael is staying at the house, but Malcolm doesn't let that pass by. Uh, he asks how how that's going to work out, and um, her response is, "We're not moving in together." <laughs> like kind of a protest to like the uh, you know this shirt says, <laughs> answers a lot of questions already answered by the shirt. Right. So he starts asking pretty pointed questions about how to make sense of his situation. Like, are you sleeping in the same room? Is he trying to make something happen? To which, the second one, she says, "I haven't done anything with him." With him, which I'll note is not an actually an answer to what he asked, which was, did Michael try anything? But anyway, she says she understands it's it's not, you know, it can be easily seen as being inappropriate. And yeah, he's like, sure, it is. So um, Malcolm doesn't even go with the short term. He's like, so when we leave here, where are we going to go? We can't go to your house where Michael is. Like, how is this going to work? Um, Malcolm doesn't fit any think there's um, any way that two people that have kids together can live under the same roof and not be intimate at some point. So he just breaks up with her or more accurately, he separates himself from the situation because if anybody's got to figure something out about this, it is Sarah and not him. And he doesn't deserve to be the third wheel. Uh, So I'm going to go with that question because it's going to, I know you're going to bring it back to me. Can two people live under the same roof after they've had two kids together and not be intimate at some point? Uh, yeah, I think it's possible. But, I mean, let's look at what the motivation is. Sarah seemed all too eager to have Michael be living there. Yes. And I feel like where is he actually sleeping? So they've already determined he's not sleeping in Sarah's room. But where where is he sleeping? 
Yeah, that never got answered. It just answered was not in my bed was pretty much the answer. Yeah. So <laughs> Where I kind is of, he sleeping? Yeah, I kind of feel like if you lived together and kind of had a big enough space where everybody had their own space. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I could see how you could a, avoid sleeping a, with one another. Yeah, I mean, if, if each of you have your own wing of the house. Yeah. Or you have like that. <laughs> situation where okay we live in a different two different sides of a duplex so technically it's the same roof right but it's really different houses yeah something like that but i mean i don't know especially if we're talking about like quarantine times like even if you're in the same roof and you know sharing the same space like the fact that you have common space i feel like lends for more opportunities for these things to kind of come up Sure. I mean, I think that there's, I mean, obviously, and then, because obviously we talked about my situation last time, and right. this was very reminiscent of my situation, because from my personal experience, I can tell you, it can be a very long time of two people who, have to, who yeah. have share a roof and have two kids who are not intimate with each other. That yes. can go on for a while. Right. Um, but then the other so, thing is, is that you, if you had a girlfriend at the time, like, would you have waited a week and then told her that that's what was happening? Because that's oh, no, that'd have been crazy. what Malcolm, no. I think, was the most upset about. Isn't that she was telling him that, you know, oh, this is going to happen. She was just like, oh, he's been living here for the last week. So it's just like, mm. And all these little obtuse, because he already, Malcolm already suspected. Like, mm-hmm. Michael was the one who made a big deal and Malcolm doesn't know. He already suspected that she was hung up on Michael. Yeah. And that's where it comes down to. That's where the difference is. It has nothing to do with the fact that they have two kids together. Now, their kids are also pretty young. So we know that the time, you know, that they've been intimate has been pretty (laughs) a lot closer. Right. Right. But, like, you have to, you know, at least one of the sides of those people has to be completely disinterested in anything happening again. Right. Yeah. And for them, they're not. Like, Michael clearly is not disinterested, right? And Sarah, we are, and everybody knows that Sarah is just lying to herself that she is. Right. And I was going to say, Michael is calling her his wife. And I love how he does that when it's convenient for him. When he wants to, like, stake claim on Sarah, he'll refer to her as his wife. And it's just like, come on, you are not a husband. Right. Yeah, but when he wants to go off with Maria, all of a sudden it's not like that's my wife. It's, yeah. That's my baby mama. person who won't let me see the kids. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Okay, yeah. let's talk about the phone call. He 100% okay. knew that she was on a date, so why the hell is he calling her? Because he wanted to mess up the date. That's what I'm saying. And then... The play date. Right. Why did she answer it at the phone on speakerphone? That's what I can't figure out. It's like she... Like, but even the conversation that they had was ridiculous. Like... Where are you? I'm on a date. You knew that. What do you mean? Where are you? Yeah, that is a that 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 phone call is a hard ignore. Like, yeah, that that I would get. And then if it rang again, I'd be like, "Excuse me, I need to go to the bathroom." And then you answer it. Why you answer it in front of him? And he's like, "Oh, you are. Where you at?" Well, like, I can kind of see from Sarah's you. perspective that she thinks it's kind of like full disclosure because she doesn't want to be that person who gets a phone call all of a sudden five minutes later, excuses herself to the bathroom, you know, Fair. and then like it makes Fair. it look super shady. So she's trying to like full disclosure, you know, make it a point to answer it in front of Malcolm. But honestly, how I would have played it is I probably been like, 
announcing it like, oh, that's Michael calling. I'll yeah, just text yes. him that I'll call him back later. Right. Or or uh, or that's uh, uh, Michael calling. There might be some some issue with the girls. I'm going to call him right quick. Yeah. Right. Something like that. But even those calls, I tend not. To, I don't. Well, this is me in general. I don't like to have phone calls in front of other people. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, even if it's like, even if it was like, oh, it's my mom, I'm going to go out here right quick. Like, I would still do that even if it was like, I wouldn't want to answer a phone call in front of somebody, no matter who it was. Right. So it just, but answering it on speaker, but it's weird the way she, you're right. I think she was going for full disclosure, Mm -hmm. but then she tries to lawyer past his questions when he asks them. Yeah. Like, Like, you knew this. Has Michael tried anything? I haven't slept with him. Wait a second. That's not the answer to the question I asked, right? Where is he sleeping? We're not moving into with each other. Like, don't try to lawyer your way through these because that, that, I think, was like the final straw for Malcolm, at least. Oh, I mean, we all knew that he was like halfway out the door anyway. And it's just like, it makes me sad. I know there's a lot of speculation just in general that Malcolm is a paid actor and that partially has to do with, I guess he has a IMDb. Um, profile and so people are kind of thinking like oh this guy's like a paid actor or even if he's not a paid actor he's someone who's just trying to get clout by like being uh, visibility and so there's a lot of speculation that this isn't a real relationship to begin with but I mean Sarah has to look back on this if this is any kind of real and just be like oh wow I'm not over Michael like I should have treated my man like that no, and she, but she's definitely not. She's definitely going to look back and be like, I don't know why everybody else seems, thinks, thinks I'm not over Michael, <laughs> even though I totally am. Oh, goodness. Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't. I, 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 I kind of saw the paid actor thing at the beginning, but he didn't do enough. You know, I feel no. like if you, were try, if you were a clout chaser, you would, get, you would have beef with Michael and you would make like big scenes and try to make yourself like a star of a show. And he was just like, meh. I'm not into this. You seem kind of uh, hung up on your ex-boyfriend. Uh, so I'm going to break up with you now. Like that doesn't – paid actor, I guess, maybe if that's what they, the role they paid him to play. Right, But right. clout chaser, I feel like he would try to do more. Uh, yeah, I guess it depends on what you're trying to do. If you're trying to get cast in more reality shows, absolutely, that's the thing you do, right? You're outrageous. You're explosive. But if you're trying to, like, right. just, you know, break into acting in general, like, looking like a major asshole, I don't know if it's really going to get your scripted parts, <laughs> Fair. you know? I don't know. I don't know that being on a reality show is going to move the needle in terms of acting jobs very much. Anyway. I don't know. Yeah. I have no there idea. All exposure is good exposure. Yeah, because I mean, I think uh, people are more into that nowadays because they're just like, oh, well, you know, if you kind of have a following, whether it's like a social media following, and we put you on this television show, you know, we know that your followers will watch this television show because you're on it. So I feel like a lot of oh, that's true. I do feel I, I do feel like that has happened a lot. Is like people will get shows or they'll get sponsorships or get something else just because they have a big following and then they almost immediately get dropped and the company's like oh yeah we had no idea why they had a big following and we don't like it but like even like the mass singer like when i was watching it i don't watch youtube videos at all so they've Uh every season it seems that they have someone who is from social media world Uh and i'm like who the hell is this like i have no idea who this person is 
Right. You know, so I, yeah. But I think like that's their whole thing is, you know, a lot of people who aren't me do know who they are because, you know, right. these people have millions and millions of followers. I just, yeah, not hip, I guess. We're just too old. Yeah. We're on the wrong side of that right, generation right. gap. Okay. Uh, speaking of generations, let's talk Brittany and Marcelino and Cynthia. So they have gotten home with Cynthia, and she just almost immediately crashes on the couch. Brittany and Marcelino are hanging out outside. Brittany is encouraged that her mom seems sober. She talks about the progression of her mom's addiction, and she mentions that Cindy was able to get sober while Brittany was in prison, and that was when Cindy was living in Alaska. Brittany thinks that maybe they should take Cindy to Alaska, but Marcelino says he's at his limits with what he is willing to do in this situation. He feels like they need to take care of the family. Marcelino thinks that Cindy is taking advantage of Brittany's loyalty, crying that no one is there for her, but Marcelino thinks that no one has to be there for her. He's frustrated that now he has to bankroll a family trip to Alaska, but thinks it's better than having to continuously be searching for Cindy on the streets. Cindy is trying to feed the baby, but unsuccessfully. Brittany sits down with her mom, saying that something bad could have happened to her last night, and she thinks that Cindy should get out of Vegas. Cindy asks for vacation? Brittany doesn't directly answer, but she says she needs to confront the source of her pain, which she believes is in Alaska. Brittany thinks that Cindy should talk to Jackie, Cindy's mom, and Brittany recounts a story of where she accidentally spilled water on Jackie's cigarettes and Jackie slapped uh, her across the face. Brittany reminds Cindy of Brittany's confrontation with her. She says that, you know, Cindy needs to tell her mom that she's hurt her and maybe she won't be sorry, but she needs to do it for her. Cindy says that things are really tough with her mom, but she doesn't really want to talk about it. Marcelino says that something needs to change and this is all part of the healing process. Cindy tearfully agrees to go to Alaska to confront her mom. All right. Do you think that they're trying to drop Cindy off in Alaska forever, or is this really just a vacation? I don't know, but I was kind of, kind of thought of that when Marcelino was like, I think I'm done. I don't want to deal with her anymore. And I was like, well, if you ship her off to Alaska, right. Marcelino, you probably will be done. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I don't want to pay for this trip. Like, I mean, I, it seems like, and you know, I don't know, and I'm sure you can get in trouble anywhere. Yeah, but absolutely. But it seems like it's a lot harder to get into trouble in Alaska than it is in Vegas. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's not so easy. I'm sure you can get pain pills in Alaska. Like yes. that's not. Yes. <laughs> that's no, not I was more so that. thinking yes. like you can't really grow pot so successfully out there, can you? But I guess you can indoors. Right, which is how most of it's grown anyway. I think. Yeah. All right. So I forgot I said that. So yeah, Alaska. Yeah, my excellent expertise about pot growing. But I don't yes. know. <laughs> I've, no, not at all. All I know not is that it smells really bad conjecture. because I could smell my neighbors growing it. Oh, yeah. yeah. So. I don't know. Yeah. But, like, I don't know because – but her problem isn't that. It's 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 lab stuff, right? It's 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 pain pills. It's oxy. It's, you know, sure. heroin, stuff like that. I don't think so, it's like, Alaska as an area because you're right. I think drugs are pretty much universally everywhere or can be obtained anywhere. I think it's really just the crowd she's running with, right? Mm-hmm. Do you really think that, you know, if you're not connected with a bunch of drug people like up in Alaska, like users – Right. Yeah. That you would continue to not 
run with users. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like in Alaska, it's not like Vegas where everyone's just hanging out outside. You know, just like using on the streets. Her, yeah, using on the streets. Like she had a pretty good chance if she was like, that's it. I'm in Vegas. You're like, I want pills. I'm just going to start walking around and asking people. Yeah. And eventually you're going to find pills. Like that right, won't be sure. very hard in Vegas. You will get them pretty, pretty, pretty quickly. Like Alaska, like if you got to walk a half mile to the neighbor's house and like, what are you doing? How do you, right, you have right. to have hookups, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I think it's a little bit di- more difficult. I think also just generally, it sounds like there's a lot of her family up there. So she probably just has yeah. a lot more family support. Maybe doesn't feel as alone. Right. And which was interesting because that was something that Marcelino said. And I was like, that's like harsh but true. Right. Because mm-hmm. he was like, said he's always complaining that nobody is there for me. Yeah. And he just said, nobody has to be there for you. That's right. nobody's job. Nobody they can choose to be there for you. They can want to be there for you. But you are not owed anyone being there for you. Well, I think the other challenge is, is that she has a perception that no one is there for her. But I mean, for the love of God, like her daughter was living with, there with her and she was still using. She was stealing yeah. money from Nicole, you know, Brittany's sister, right. you know, and True. using. So it's like, that's just an excuse to victimize herself. But I don't think it's the actual reason when people are actually there, why she's using. Because she's had right. people around her and she still uses. Yeah, and it, it it's an interesting strategy to go with this Jackie thing. Yeah. Because it, that was my immediate thing. It was like somebody who slaps you in the face for getting their cigarettes wet. Mm-hmm. Like... That seems like a trigger. <laughs> seems like not the person you want to be having to deal with when you're trying to be, when you're trying to be in recovery. Like, that yeah. doesn't seem like a good thing. And especially because... You know, because Cindy was like that, she was like, she really blamed her childhood and her history for her addiction. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I don't know how reliving that trauma is going to necessarily do it. But again, I don't know very much about recovery. So maybe maybe it's like a necessary condition to have to actually deal with that trauma and bring closure to it. Well, I mean, I think Brittany feels like it helped her and that's why she's pushing for it for her mom. But I th- right, but her mom. They're in very different places. They're in very different places. Brittany was way better, way better than Cindy is now. And when she did, Cindy was like, "Oh my God, I'm sorry." Yeah. Right. If it doesn't go like that, yeah. If Cindy would have been like, "What are you complaining about?" <laughs> I had it harder than you did. Shut up. Like, would that have been helpful to her? Would that have been healing to her? Right. Probably you know? not. Probably not. Like, so, and you can't control what response you get to that, obviously. No, and that's why I think you have to be in a very good place because I do agree with what Brittany said. You know, it's not about the other person apologizing, right? She can't expect that Jackie's going to turn around and be like, I'm so sorry, I was such an awful mom. You know, you kind of have to expect the worst, but you have to get the healing from the fact that you've confronted that other person you've told them that you've been hurt by them and then that has to be enough you know you can't expect some kind of response from the other person because you don't have control over that other person so if you're kind of hinging your healing on this other person asking for forgiveness like that's setting yourself up for failure Mm -hmm. yep yep All right, so let's go to Amber and Puppy. 
So Amber and Puppy wake up hungover from, I guess we are assuming it's from their club night, <laughs> as the camera focuses first on all the bras and panties that are scattered across God. the floor. Puppy asks Amber if she remembers what happened last night, which apparently included them having sex. Amber says, whatever, I get gay when I'm drunk, but says she doesn't remember. <laughs> Puppy thinks this is all an act and that Amber is playing with her feelings or, you know, just being with her when she wants to fool around and expecting everything to go back to normal when she's feeling differently. Um, when Amber says this, I mean, when Puppy says this, Amber's really confused. Is Puppy asking for an actual relationship? Puppy basically says, yeah, I want to be with you, like, forever. And Amber transitions to how this fooling around with girls is all new to her. And so it seems like she just assumed they would always be each other's side chicks. <laughs> and then Puppy keeps trying to have a serious conversation that Amber keeps trying to, like, get out of. And Amber keeps staying confused about, like, why? We wanted a serious relationship? I'm, I'm very confused. But, you know, to me... Puppy seems to be being pretty clear and not confusing at all. She wants to be in an actual relationship with Amber. And then Amber, in an interview, says she's torn about what's going on right now. Puppy starts to cry, and Amber doesn't make the situation any better by then, you know, consoling her by saying, you know, I love you, without clarifying at all what she means when she says, I love yeah. you. So back to the interview. Uh, Amber tells us that she loves Puppy, but her heart belongs to her ex, Sammy, who is apparently a new character to this drama. God. Uh, he appears to be the person that she was talking to on the phone earlier this season. Uh, then later in the short commercial segment, um, Puppy tells us about, you know, how prison relationships go, where it's really common for women to be gay for the stay, and the relationships tend to be extremely intense if short-lived, so that a six-month prison relationship can feel like a two- or three-year relationship with somebody on the outside. So, I mean, pretty clear here that they're on very different wavelengths yep. as to oppose, as to what's going on. So, like, what do you think Amber wants out of this? Because it's pretty clear to me what Puppy wants out of this. Yeah, I mean, I think she really does genuinely love Puppy. Maybe not exactly romantically. Um, I think that this is her best friend, like, and, you know, girls say it all the time, like, oh, I love my best friend, you know? So I kind of see it like that. It just also happens to be a best friend that she slept with a couple of times or, you know, on the outside, I should say, because on the inside, we don't really know exactly, but I definitely feel like Amber is predominantly straight and then she's open to you know, uh, being gay, but I definitely feel like the way that Puppy describes, you know, prison relationships, I definitely feel like that applies to Amber, you know? Uh -huh. So I, yes. I don't know. Yeah. I think she does feel like that Puppy is going to be her side chick, you know, and that Sammy is probably going to be okay with that. I don't know. Maybe she's discussed it with Sammy. We have no idea. So sure. he's probably into that because maybe he's just like, oh, well, maybe the three of us, maybe we'll be a throuple. Like, who? we don't oh, yeah. even like, know. I have very, very little doubt that running that running running that past a guy, if he's like, wait, do I get to have sex with both of you? Then, yes, I'm on board. Like, I, I know, especially because <laughs> puppy's really pretty. Yeah. So, I'm. I, yeah. OK, I support this decision. I don't think it's a, you know, Scott and Lindsay and uh, 
Tara Battle oh, situation right, where right, it's right. like, no, 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 you don't get to look at her. I will go. I will go into the other room. Well, I think the her. difference between their situation and Scott Lindsay Tarabelle situation is that you know, look at who she's prioritizing. Lindsay is prioritizing Tarabelle over Scott. Like in this situation, yeah. I think the reason why it's kind of unclear is because we don't know who Amber is prioritizing. Is she prioritizing True. Sammy or is she prioritizing Puppy? Because she seems to genuinely love Puppy, but then at the same time, she genuinely has feelings for this dude, Sammy. Right. Yeah, that's fair. And it's like, I don't know. And she doesn't, what bothers me the most is like when I mentioned before, she doesn't seem to realize how confusing she's being to Puppy. Right. It was one thing. Like literally saying, I love you is something, yes. And I've heard that all the time. It tends to be it, you know, tends to be women who say "I love you" to my friends when they hang up the phone yeah. every single time. Yep. Right. And, but there's a mutual understanding about what that means. Sure. Amber clearly means something different than puppy when they say "I love you" to each other. Yeah. Like that's true. And so she has to stop saying it. Yeah. Right. And until it until it's clear what they both mean by it, like you can't just throw that around because as confused as puppy is that's not helping right i do feel like amber is also using puppy kind of as an emotional physical support crutch you know things it'll be interesting to see what happens when sammy actually gets out because amber probably doesn't need puppy as much as she needs her right now because she's gonna have a guy to cuddle with at night that's gonna be there all the time sure Sure. And that's also another, you know, you bring in that that thruple thing. That's one of those things that it it definitely to a large number of guys sounds good on paper. Yeah. And then, you know, when it, when things start going down in real life, it's like, wait, no, I don't like this. <laughs> it's the same idea. It's the same, it's similar to, um, you know, a certain subset of guys will listen to girls tell their stories about like dating apps and like you know getting the dick pics and uh, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know random like lewd comments and stuff like that and they're like oh i wouldn't mind getting a picture of somebody's boobs or her somebody coming and then they do and the one time it happened you're like no no i don't like that that was not good (laughs) that was bad (laughs) maybe maybe i was wrong about that Because you're always picturing something going some way and it doesn't always go the way you want it to. Yeah, that's like uh, everybody's impression of nude beaches. You're like, yes! Oh, yeah. And then it's like you're actually there and you're like, "Mm, this is not as good as I thought it would be. not (laughs) as exciting as I thought it would be. Um, Well, those are very much like all the people I want to not have bathing suits on have bathing suits on. (laughs) (laughs) This is the opposite of the one I want it to be. (laughs) All right. Okay. uh, Well, I think last up we have a Sean and Destiny. So Mm -hmm. Destiny shows up to court just in the nick of time. She meets up with her sister Brittany in front of the courthouse and says that she just needed to clear her head and realize that this is the best choice for her right now. At that moment... Sean comes rolling up and he sounds out of breath and he inter- interrupts their reunion. Destiny asks why he's there because she told him she didn't want him to be there and he better not be there when she gets out. Sean just shrugs and says he just wanted to make sure that, you know, you know, she was there. Destiny flips him off and tells him to go away as Sean keeps trying to follow her. 
Sean tells us that he hopes Destiny will come back to Vegas with him and everything will go back to normal. Sean then talks to Brittany and Brittany says she has no idea what's going on and this is just an effed up situation. Sean says that everything has been fucked up since Destiny left and ghosted him. Sean is determined to get some answers, specifically about Destiny's alleged engagements on social media. Brittany is concerned Destiny will go back to jail, and Sean says the best case scenario is that Destiny gets free, and he's free of the bond. Destiny walks out later, and Brittany asks her what happened, and says it's a positive sign that she's not in cuffs. Sean walks up and asks what's going on. She tells him it's none of his business. Destiny says she has absolutely nothing to say to him and tells him, you know, she's fine. It ends up that her court date was postponed and there was no closure, but she just doesn't want to tell Sean that. She thinks he's selfish and says that he, uh, until he starts telling the truth, she's just done with him. Sean is concerned that he's still on the hook for the bond, of course, for, you know, the $50,000 they keep on mentioning every chance they can get. Destiny starts listing all the lies he's told, and Sean can only muster a, you're wrong. Sean then <laughs> says it all runs both ways and then brings up her social media engagement. Destiny says she has nothing to say, and if he's going to run game, then he's just a trick to her. So why is Sean there, and why does he keep on harassing her? She's told him very explicitly, go away, don't be here when I come back. I have no idea. Like, it is... Sean's behavior is so crazy to me. Like, I very much listen to other people's wishes, especially when they explicitly tell me, do not be here when I come back. Yeah. Guess what? I'm not going to be there when you come back. Right. Yeah. I don't understand what his end game is. Like, what's your end game for... I'm going to win this woman back by showing that I never listen to what she says and don't... (laughs) Don't pay any attention to her wishes or desires. Like, yeah, that's a, that's a winning strategy, man. Good job. That's going to do it. This is the guy that, like, uh, just keeps on trying until he, like, uh, wears someone down. And then that's how he ends up being in a relationship with them. Uh, it sounds like what he goes for. Yeah. The, yeah. The, I feel like I'm that's his gonna, general strategy. That's definitely his general strategy. Is just, just yeah, we, I will wear you down like a river wears a rock. Yep. Like, we will just go uh, on. Yep. <laughs> I don't care that you keep saying no. And then when she starts calling out his lying, how he's just like, uh, you're wrong. It's like, uh-huh. Wrong okay. about what? Nothing she said was, was false. I mean. You did lie about your age. Right now is false. Yeah. He did lie about his age. He, he did lie about, about the his, number of kids. The number of kids. Yep. Like, yeah. So, I mean, he, he clearly misled her at least about how much money he has. Oh, gosh. I know, right? God, I was super excited for the 50000 thing to go away. I was, too. I love it. Sean doesn't even try to hide that that's what he's the most concerned about. It is always, like, top of the list. Like, he leads with that, and then he'll say, oh, and then also, like, I just want you to be okay, because I love you. It's like, mm, you mentioned the bond first, so it cancels everything point, out. At this point, I might, I would, at this point in the relationship, I would actually, I would myself be more concerned about the bond, because yeah, I would sure. be like, this woman clearly does, has nothing to do with me, so that's gone, and so what I really want now is to also not have to lose $50,000 over it. I wonder if there's any way for you to kind of transfer your money or get that money back. I wonder if you could, too, if you if you can 
But that's, I think, part of the reason that they, they talk to people about bonds and be like, really, are you sure you want to do this? Because like, yes, because at some point you want to be like, listen, I know I put the money up, but I don't trust her to not run away anymore. And I think I'm going to lose his money. Yeah. Can you just but, arrest her? I mean, like, because honestly, I feel like and this is super manipulative, but, you know, if he threatened and said, you know, like, listen, I I can withdraw my bond, which means you're going to have to be incarcerated again until someone else can, you know, cover your bond. I feel like all of a sudden he's going to have a girlfriend again. <laughs> Maybe. But this is also part of the reason, like, this is part of the reason that, you know, so many states and so many, like, progressive policies are trying to move away from cash bond. Yeah. Right? Because you don't want someone who's released to be, like, under the thumb of this person who could potentially be abusive because they paid the bond and things sure. like that. Like it is a whole bunch of, you know, longer term things that goes that, that goes into it that it's like, oh geez. But I mean cause the other thing he said, he's just so dumb. He's like, oh I'm gonna get answers one way or the other. I was like, okay You can't even get her to talk to you. You tried one way, which was asking her, what's the other? What's your what's your backup plan here, man? Detective Sean's on the case, you know, he's got all his tricks. Yeah, I'll ask him once and then I'll maybe ask she'll him again. maybe 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 she'll use my credit card to with his name on it so I know who it is. <laughs> like uh, that's all he's got cuz he had the credit card company called him because of an unusual purchase. That oh was his detective gosh. work. Oh, Sean. All right. So that covers all of our characters, cast of characters this week. Uh no, and no, Andrea Lamar, which I'm thankful for. <laughs> no, Lacey Shane, and no, Scott and Lindsay. Yeah, so. uh, I think Andrea and Lamar are the only ones that I didn't miss. The other four, I don't know. I'm not. I'm. I'm not. I'm not big on Shane and Lacey. I feel like theirs okay. is kind of spinning in circles. Yeah, I mean, there isn't a lot of progression happening. Yes, on that's their segments. my issue with that one. Is that is the progression? Yeah, yeah, but I I don't mind their segments. I'm not like ugh, over it. They're like, oh, Andrea again. Yes, yeah. but I am so over Andrea. So yeah, right. All right. Uh, so who was your student of the week with this group? I went with Malcolm. Like, yeah. I, it's one of those things that, like, the smartest thing anybody can do with this is to brush their hands of everything and walk away. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> the only, right? The only intelligent decision anybody could make in regards to being on this show. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so my student of the week is Demark. Like, he called Chevelle out on everything. And I think that if Chevelle took the same stance as Demark in this relationship, she would be in good shape. Yeah, now that's true. Well, that, well, I mean, it never would have been a relationship then, right? right? I mean, he's been he's been pretty consistent the whole time. Well, I don't I don't think so. I think he was willing to give him a chance uh, because I mean, I think Demark was concerned about things. I think where we lost Demark is where Chevelle bought him the truck. Yes, that is definitely that is definitely yes. the point where Demark was just off board with it. And to you know, Quaylen's defense on that, he never asked for a truck that we know of. Right. So that was on Chevelle, but I think that's when Demark realized that Chevelle was a little too easy of a target. Yeah, fair, yeah. fair. All right, what about your dunce? Uh, my dunce was Tara. Right, because that whole situation is oh, God, yes. ridiculous and bad. Yep. But 
I mean, I and John is not good for not appropriately handling things. Oh yeah, but for I sure. feel like in every scene we saw, Tara was the instigator. Oh, she for sure was. Right, she was the one who came in his room with a towel on, and she was she started ass. giving him back massage, and God, it's like oh, yeah. okay. straddling well, like, him. So in the in terms, I mean, they both obviously mishandled everything terribly. Sure, but but she's like actively working to cheat on her sister it's so yeah. weird like oh on your sister like to oh, to I do that to your sister it. yeah and i was gonna yeah. say too i think like even if they did have feelings for each other it's like if tara wasn't instigating things they would just have like awkward conversations and maybe awkward glances which you know right pretty yes. harmless pretty harmless yes yeah Agreed. so my dance was actually sarah for many reasons, but sure. specifically because she didn't tell Malcolm right away. So she decides to tell him on this date. She picked up her call with Michael. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, just her whole handling of the situation. Just wow, Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What about your life lesson? So you have to. Okay. So when somebody is trying to have the where do we stand in this relationship conversation, like, you have to this is for Amber and Puppy. You have to like acknowledge that at least acknowledge that they want to have that conversation and maybe say, I don't know where I want to go with this relationship, which is not the best answer. I mm-hmm. feel like it's something you should have thought of before. Yeah. But like it, it it's wrong to like belittle or or even like do that thing where Amber does and it's super common with guys. I don't know where this is coming from. We, <laughs> you wanted a relationship? I, I have no idea oh what you're talking gosh, about. Like, that's the worst. So, like, you know, it's a conversation you need to have sooner or later. And the longer you wait, the harder and weirder it is. Yeah, definitely. So my life lesson is directed at John and Tara. So general rule of thumb, if you wouldn't do that with your mother-in-law, you probably shouldn't do that with your sister-in-law. Or Fair? let's say your mom. Like, would you really, like, be running around having your mother-in-law grabbing your ass and kind of, like, straddling uh, basically, you? Basically any other relative. Because I, I always think if you wouldn't do it with your sister, you shouldn't do it with your sister-in-law. Yeah. Right. Right. And I was like, yeah, I wouldn't. No, none of those things. Ew, yeah. Icky. Yeah. And, and, like, even, like, anything, anything that could be properly described as flirting because they both admitted that it is flirting. right 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 it's like no don't don't i don't yeah. know people are kind of weird and it's like hard to kind of put labels on it because you know obviously people have different boundaries of things sure. like i had this guy who was definitely setting up our text message conversation like he was gonna send a dick pic and so <laughs> i was like i knew it was going like, to happen wait, wait, kind of I, thing. See what, I see where this road goes right so then i said to him i said well if you wouldn't send it to your mom you shouldn't send it to me and then he was like i would send this to my mom i'm just like oh my god oh my god (laughs) (laughs) so i feel like people have different boundaries that is true that is true i sent it to her to make sure it looked it was a good one before i sent it to you (laughs) you know i asked my mom is this a good angle (laughs) yeah what do you think of the lighting of this picture mom Oh, goodness. All right. So, uh, yep, that about wraps it up for this week. So next week, uh, I think we got a glimpse of some more John and Tara. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks like, yeah, Christiana's 
hopefully will make an appearance before yeah. the season's over. Yeah, and then nice. Andre and Lamar are back. Yeah, I can't remember. I think you know what? I don't think I saw mine. I think they cut off after after the John and Terry. Oh yeah, so you know they always very put surprised. a little bit of like uh, some inside past episodes. So they had uh, Tony met with uh-huh. um, oh, Liz Lizzie. Uh, I don't think you saw a season with Lizzie in it. Okay, but no, uh, but they were both like notoriously like scamming people. You know, they're pen pals. So Tony was uh-huh. known as the pen pal pimp. And then, <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, oh. Lizzie, like, I think she ended up, like, scamming men out of close to, like, $100,000. So, well, yeah, so they were just kind of talking about, it's like, funny. It's did. funny that you say that, and it sounds like a lot of money, but it's like, if you do that over, like, five years, then you're not making that much money. <laughs> right, right, right. And I, yeah, I think this was over however long she was in prison, but... Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I think the sad part is because you're just kind of like, where's that money go? Like, what kind of expenses do you have in prison? So apparently she shared that it was all for heroin. And so, yeah. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that might make sense. But that that, that scans is it would, that would take up all the money. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. All right. So uh, we will be back next week then. So we'll see you then. All right. See everybody then. All right. Sounds okay. good. Bye. Bye.